Hello, everyone. I'm Anastasia. Thank you for being here, listening to my podcast. If you like the pod and you want to stay updated on when I release new episodes, you can either follow the podcast on whatever you're listening to it on, or you can follow the new Instagram at Introverted Talkaholic. Let's start off this episode covering some news stories from the past week. In personal news, I won my first week of fantasy, starting off strong without 1-0. Cooper Cop really popped off for me, so I appreciate that 31 points. I try to teeter on the line of being informed with what's going on in the world, but not too informed that all I see is the bad news stories, because that just leads to a not great headspace. But firstly, the queen died. I did not see that coming, even though she was old, but I guess you're never expecting the queen to die. I've seen online that some people have mixed feelings about her passing and what it represents for the British people and what it represents for colonization as a whole, but what really stands out to me about this is when she started her reign as queen in 1952, the British Empire, that had at one point covered a quarter of the land on earth, had 70 colonies. Now, at her death, only 14 countries still have her as head of state. So I think it'll be interesting to see how many countries are ready to sever ties completely with the monarchy. Many of them were holding on to the queen herself, and now that she's gone, they're ready to become their own republic. Barbados has already decided that they want to be their own republic, Antigua and Barbuda and Jamaica are showing strong signs of denouncing King Charles as their head of state, which could very well cause a domino effect for other countries in the Caribbean. Here in America, there was almost a railroad strike. It started back in July when the railroad unions had been in negotiation with the management employees for three years and were going nowhere. So President Biden stepped in and said you can't strike for 30 days, there's a cooling off period. That 30 days passed, there was another 30 day cooling off period, and that was set to end this Friday, uh, September 16th. The railroad workers hadn't gotten raises in three years. They were short 30,000 employees, which was 20% of the whole workforce. Many employees had to be on call seven days a week, or they had to report to work on short notice. They also face severe penalties for taking an unpaid day off to have a sick day or go to the doctors. So obviously they're having a hard time hiring people. No one wants to work a job where you are practically working seven days a week and can't even plan for vacation because you have to be on call. So yeah, long story short, they had until today, Friday, to come up with a deal that everyone could agree on or they would go on strike. If they had striked, the U.S. economy would have lost $2 billion a day. The railroad industry is absolutely critical to moving goods and supplies and even people across America. I don't think people really realize it, but it is such an integral part of the American economy. Amtrak had already announced that they were going to cancel long-distance trips in preparation of the strike. Luckily... Thursday morning, they reached a tentative deal, which includes a 14% raise with back pay from 2020. The union said that the workers also got one additional PTO day and that protections against discipline for taking a sick day or if they needed to go to the doctors 
um, are in place. The employees still need to approve it, but with the scheduling changes and raises, we should be good, hopefully. But yeah, that was just a little recap of some of the big news stories that I've been seeing all over, and I just wanted to inform you. Today, I'm going to talk to you kind of about personal finance, kind of about retiring early, kind of about investing. It's pretty much all the main big things that I know about personal finance and that I've learned that I want to tell you. Now, I just have to say, this is not investing advice. I don't have any certifications. I'm just giving my opinion. So don't sue me. (laughs) But personal finance is honestly something that I am very passionate about. I was working an on-campus job in the library my junior year of college, and I honestly had a lot of free time, so I spent that time reading personal finance blogs. I kind of stumbled into the community by reading the blog of Mr. Money Mustache, which I highly recommend. He is someone who's part of the FIRE community, which stands for Financial Independence Retire Early meaning that they have enough money invested that they can live off that money and they don't need a job. I, for one, hate working. I hate being a part of capitalism, and I do not want to spend my whole life doing things that other people tell me to do. I love going to the gym in the middle of the day, and you can bet your ass I will be doing everything I possibly can so I can do that for the rest of my life. Obviously, I want to retire early. I do not want to wait until I'm 65. I'm thinking somewhere around 40. But the FIRE community was something that was really interesting to me from the get-go. So I wanted to figure out how I could retire as soon as possible. I dove into it, I read a lot, and I think I figured out what is a great plan for someone like myself who is young, recently a college graduate, and wants to retire as soon as possible. And really when I say retire, I mean work optional. You know, I don't have to rely on a W-2 job for income to pay my bills. I can spend my time working or volunteering or teaching or doing anything that I want to do without having to rely on a job to pay my bills. So first things first, how do you retire early? What is the big goal here? So you need your FIRE number. To figure out your FIRE number, you take your yearly income and you times it by 25. For example... If I want to have my yearly income be $100,000, I would need to have an investment portfolio of $2.5 million. Because there's something called the 4% rule, which says you can take 4% of your investment portfolio out in a year and you will never run out of money. And 4% of $2.5 million is $100,000. But you can do this with whatever amount you're comfortable with. If you want to retire sooner and only live off $40,000, then you only need $1 million. It is such a personal number and you can pick pretty much whatever you want. So FIRE is broken down into three different types. There is lean FIRE, which is 25 times your expenses. It lets you retire sooner because you need less money, but then you have less money for your wants. It pretty much just covers your needs. There is coast FIRE, which is when your current investment portfolio should reach your FIRE number by the time you hit the traditional retirement age of 65. And then there is fat FIRE, which is when you have more than enough to cover your expenses and you can live a little bit more of a bougie life from your 4%. And I really want to point out that even if you are happy with your job and you don't necessarily want to retire early, 
you should be investing. There will come a point where you are not able to work anymore and you need that money from somewhere. If you are in your 20s, you really should not be relying on social security because it will most likely be depleted by 2035. Unless, you know, something changes. But do any of us think that the government will fix the problem? No. You might get something, but it won't be 100% of what you should get. Plus, even if you do get social security, it'll be a lot less than you're used to if you've been working a full-time job your whole life. So I really want you to look at investing as something that is a non-negotiable. Something that you 100% must do for your future. You will never be able to save enough money to retire. You must invest it and let your money work for you. But I'm here to tell you that the good thing is, it is seriously so much easier than you think it is. All right, how to get there, how to invest. There are a lot of things you can invest in. You know, you could do real estate, you could start a business, that kind of thing. But I want to give you what I think is the simplest way and what I personally plan on doing once I start my job and am making money. If you are freshly graduated from college and you're listening to this, I really want you to realize that you have the most perfectly amazing opportunity to set yourself up to retire early, retire a millionaire, and enjoy the beautiful phenomenon known as compounding interest. If you have a 401k, you had better be contributing to it almost the second you start your job. If you never see that money in your paycheck, you won't miss it. I would say try to max it out if you can. Currently, the limit is $20,500. And honestly, that's a lot of money. If you're only making $60K a year, that is practically a third of your income. So it's definitely going to be hard to save all of that right in the beginning. So just try to get the most that you can into it until you're making enough to max it out and still afford to live. If you're not maxing it out and your employer offers a match, you should at least be contributing enough to get the match. If that is 4% and you make 60K a year, that's only $100 from your paycheck before taxes. And then you're taxed on a lower amount and you pay less taxes. So it's really an all-around win. I've heard people say that the employer matches free money. And while it does feel like that, it is not. It is part of your total compensation package. And if you don't contribute enough to get the match, you are essentially not getting part of your salary. Do we want to give some of our salary back to our employer? Fuck no. So you better be contributing at least enough to get a match. (laughs) So your 401k is a place that you can funnel a lot of money, but a 401k is just an account. The money is not automatically invested. You have to go into your 401k account and actually select where you want your money invested, otherwise it just sits there and you lose the actual benefit of it being an investment account. There are other vessels to invest in, such as an IRA, which is an individual retirement account. Basically, the difference is a traditional is taxed when you withdraw the money and the Roth money gets taxed before it goes in. There's also, you know, some other differences, but those are the main points. It also only has a limit of 6000 I don't want to get into the nitty gritty. I want this to be easy to understand. But for most people, a Roth is a better choice. And then there is a brokerage account. This has no limits, no criteria, open to anyone. Anyone can open a brokerage account. And typically, personal finance gurus, if you will, rank the investment accounts in order of priority as a 401k, because all that money is pre-tax, and then an IRA, and then a brokerage account. The 401k, like I said, has a limit of $20,500. The IRA has $6,000. And then a brokerage account is unlimited. So if you only have $20,000 or less to invest, it better be in your 401k. Now, what to invest in? 
Once you have the money in your 401k, IRA, or brokerage account, you have to actually invest the money into something. In my opinion, and what I'm planning on doing is investing in index funds. What is an index fund, you might ask? The most simple explanation that I can give is that when you invest in an S&P 500 index fund or a NASDAQ 100 index fund, you're investing in every single stock in the market. It's great because you don't have to pick individual stocks. You get a tiny little bit of each and every company. So if the whole market goes up, your investments go up. And if the whole market goes down, your investments go down. But here's the best part. The market pretty much always goes up. Of course, of course, you know, there's times like right now where the market is going down and we enter into a recession. But the market always bounces back over the long term. And if you're investing for retirement, which is what I recommend, then temporary dips in the market should not worry you because we are over here investing for decades. If you invested into index funds and all of your investments go to zero, that means that the stock market doesn't exist anymore. All companies in the market are out of business, which would pretty much mean society is over and the world is dead. I hope you realize how unlikely that is. So when the market goes down, you should look at it as buying stocks on sale. And it's actually a pretty good thing for your investments. You funnel a lot of money in when the market's down. When it rises, it brings your whole portfolio up with it. Now, there are a lot of index funds out there. Honestly, it really doesn't matter what type of index fund you invest in as long as you pick one and just funnel more and more money into it. One option is a target date index fund that automatically adjusts the stocks in the fund as you get closer to the target date, which is usually the year you plan to retire, and it moves more money into bonds to stabilize your investments so they aren't as volatile as the market is in the short term because once you're retiring, you're pulling that money out, like I said, around 4% a year. So if I was to pick a target date index fund, I would look for one that says the year 2063, which is when I turn 65 and hit the traditional retirement age. So a target date index fund with the year you turn 65 or a total U.S. stock market fund is really all you need. You can always diversify by doing like an international index fund or some bonds here or there. And even if you want to pick a couple stocks just for funsies, you can do that. I definitely recommend picking a fund with a low expense ratio. I'm talking 0.04% or even better, 0.015%. The lower the expense ratio, the more money you get to keep. Once you have a giant portfolio, that will matter a lot because you want to give 4% of your portfolio over or 1%. One, obviously. So when you're looking at the expense ratio, try to get it down to the lowest that you can get. Also, when you're young and you're not actively pulling the money out yet, make sure that you're reinvesting the dividends. If stocks in the index fund that you picked pay dividends, you're going to get that. So it's just one button, click it, reinvest dividends, and let that compound and compound and compound for you until you're ready to retire and pull out that money. Honestly, that's it. That's how you retire a millionaire. That's how you make sure you have money for retirement. The more money you put in, the sooner you can retire. And Don't get discouraged if you're not seeing the value of compounding interest yet. People love to say that the first 100K is the hardest, and it's true. The first 100,000 will pretty much be all of your money that you put in, but after that, it will take you less than 100,000 to get to your next 100,000, and after that, 
it'll take less to get you to your next 100,000 because that's when compounding interest really starts to take off. If you can invest 100,000 by the time you are 30 and you never invest another penny with the average returns minus inflation, you will have just over 1 million when you're 65. And if you're like me, as a recent college graduate, your expenses are probably the lowest they will ever be. You don't have kids yet. You don't have all of these expenses that you acquire as you get older. So this puts you in a really good position to invest some extra money. If you have student loan debt, I encourage you to pay that off as soon as you can. I think you should make it a priority. It sucks, but that's life. And it'll probably get a lot better once that's one less thing you have to worry about. I definitely also recommend setting up automatic withdrawals every paycheck so you get that money out of your account as soon as it's there. Like I said, if you don't see it, you won't miss it. One of my favorite personal finance gurus, if you want to call him that, is Ramit Sadie. His book is called I Will Teach You To Be Rich, and it is one of the best books that I've ever read. It pretty much tells you everything that I told you, but in greater detail and a little bit more on how to actually set up your finances so you don't have to think about money. That's like his big thing is that you set it and you forget it and you don't always think about money because I've been there. I'm still there. I'm sure we've all been there, broke, stressed about money, and it's one of the worst feelings. I recommend his book for literally everyone. It's I Will Teach You To Be Rich. It is seriously such a great book. It's like literally $10 on Amazon. Fuck Jeff Bezos. But if you want to buy it on Amazon, it's like $10 and I definitely recommend. Or you can follow him on Instagram at Ramit. One of my favorite points that he makes in the book is that there's always a limit to how much you can cut back your budget. You will always pretty much have to pay for rent. You'll always have to pay for gas. You'll always have to pay for food. But there is never a limit to how much you can earn. You should always be trying to raise your income, advocating for yourself for raises, talking about pay with your coworkers. Pay transparency is super important to me, and it should be for you too. You want to make sure that you are not getting underpaid because no one is going to raise your income for you. No company is going to give you more money without you asking. And if you ask and they say no, then you need to find a new job because... Life is too short to be making shitty money, especially when you're qualified, especially when you do good work. You should be at a company that values you and will pay you what you're worth. And I'm telling you right now, most people are underpaid, especially with inflation how it is. Your income should also be going up. So always be trying to raise your income. That is super important. Another personal finance guru that I think you should follow is at personal finance club on Instagram. If you thought what I said was a little confusing or you want more clarifying details on anything related to investing for retirement, he makes great informative posts that are super easy to understand and literally show you step by step how to invest. Even just having his Instagram posts show up on your feed will get you thinking about it and get you a little more knowledgeable probably on something you didn't know about all of the minute details that come with investing. So I definitely recommend you follow him. Like I said, it's at Personal Finance Club on Instagram. I hope you guys realize that it's super easy. You should take control when you're young. So you set yourself up for a future of not having to worry about money because worrying about money sucks. It's seriously so much easier than you think. So please think about what I said because I want you to retire early. I want you to be a millionaire. I don't want you to worry about money. There's enough to go around. We can all win. And I really hope that you can take something from this episode and change your future because of it. 
So thank you for listening if you made it to the end. I really hope that it was informative and you learned something. This subject means a lot to me, and since I figured out how easy it was, I am always trying to help my friends and everyone that I know figure it out because a lot of people won't figure it out on their own. And if they will, it's in their 30s when they wish they could have been doing this in their 20s. Everyone says the best time to start is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So please, please, please start now. But I'll see you guys next week for another episode. Bye, guys.